The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another PFN podcast. Glad to be doing our more than football conversation with uh, my good friend Brett Yaris, who's just post-surgery for the torn Achilles. So the voice is going to sound a little weird because of the meds, and he may say some crazy shit because of the meds. But most importantly, Brett, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm looking forward to some of the crazy things I might say. Um, so thanks for, uh, for preempting that. But um, <clears throat> good to good to good to be with you as always. And uh, I apologize to our audience for our voice. Uh, but it reminds me of that Friends episode where Phoebe lost her voice and she became a really good singer all of a sudden. So maybe that'll maybe that'll happen to me. I, I love that. That's the bright side you went with. Why not? All right. Where do you want to start, big boy? Or should you all play? Right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into. Um, Maybe our, maybe one of our most surprising teams looking back at week two. And I love I love this segment, by the way. We're going to be doing this every week, right? You and I early in the week. We'll call it more from last week. And we'll talk about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. We've been a little critical, rightfully so, um, of John Gruden and the Raiders. Um, but they are off to a smashing 2-0 start. And it can't be ignored, the performance of their quarterback, Derek Carr, who I think you know put himself up there over the last two weeks as one of the best you know top performing players in the league. What are your thoughts on the Raiders' performance to get to two and zero, and Derek Carr's performance in leading them there? Well, let's just look at the logistics first, right? Uh, they the last game of Week One, Monday Night Football game, goes to overtime. So now you have a West Coast team in Las Vegas, even though there's no coast, but you know what I mean. It's a Western Time Zone team sure. having to travel across the country on a short week to play a one o'clock game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which historically has been a very difficult thing for teams to do. And I get it. The Steelers are not a great football team, even though they're one and one. You look at the numbers. They're having all kinds of issues. They won on the road and won a game. And I think that was important. Um, And Derek Carr is on the short list of MVP candidates right now. And it's two weeks. I get it. But we're talking about who's playing really well. And right now, if you were going to make a list, I think the top two names on that list would be Kyla Murray and Derek Carr for what they've been able to do. On offense, what I like about what Derek Carr and company are doing is this number one thing. They found Henry Ruggs. Mm -hmm. Like last year when Nelson Aguilar was there, he was sort of taking the routes that Ruggs ran at Alabama. Well, Aguilar is now out. He's in in New England. And so, you know, the the old saying in Seattle is let Russ cook, let Ruggs cook, right? (laughs) And and we had a 61-yard touchdown pass to Henry Ruggs. They're taking more shots down the field this yep. year to make sure they get rugs more involved. That looked like a play from his days at Alabama where 20% of his catches went for touchdowns. That was the Henry Ruggs that got him drafted in the first round. Definitely. So that's the first thing I like about the offense and Derek Carr, the Raiders. One of the other things I really like is they changed defensive coordinators. Paul Gunther was there last year. Gus Bradley is there this year. And yep. they did a lot of disguising and mismatches and took a lot of chances last year. They're not doing that this year. It's, I don't want to say it's basic, but it's a much more in front of you defense. They yep. want to make you have a 10 play, 75 yard drive to score on death by a thousand paper cuts. Very similar to what Matt Patricia did all those years in New England. Okay. Yep, exactly. We're not going to give up the big play. Keep everything in front of us. And eventually we think you'll break down before we break down. Right. You might so get those, your yards, but you're not going to yeah. get your points. Right. So I, I think the two most impressive things from the Raiders are how they're attacking def- off defenses on offense and what they're telling their defense to do with opposing offenses, and they're off to a great start. 
Love it. And couldn't, can't mention the Raiders defense without mentioning my boy, Mad Max Crosby, who is among he's the league leaders already. Player. He's their the best QB player. In defense. Yeah, he's their incredible. Best player in Great defense. job. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a look at another team who I don't know about surprising, but they're certainly playing well. Um, and Sam Darnold is maybe not seeing ghosts in, in Carolina here. But talk to me about what you're seeing from the Panthers um, and their coaching staff led by Matt Rule. I just want to be clear because of the meds, you, you said Darnold is not seeing ghosts and not seeing, you didn't say not seeing gays, right? Uh, I, I think for Sam Darnold, they might be one in the same for me. Just, just wanted to make sure we're clear. <laughs> about that. Um, however, all that being said, I, I, listen, Darnold's played well. This is a team that is winning on defense. I mean, the defense that they put together under Matt Rule. Remember, 2020, first time ever in the common draft era, every draft pick was used on defense because yep. the 2019 season, they gave up the most points per game in franchise history for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and this is where coaching matters. We talked about it with the Raiders. Let's talk about it with what they're doing on the coaching staff there um, in Carolina. First of all, Joe Brady has come over and Christian McCaffrey is back full and healthy right now. Yeah. So he can do a lot of things that Joe Brady did when he was the passing game coordinator at LSU on the team that was arguably the greatest team and had the greatest season in college football history when LSU won the title a couple of years ago. But there's a name that no one knows and no one talks about very much. Peter King did a great job, by the way, with him this week in his football uh, night in America column or whatever, whatever the column is on football Monday in America, I don't know, whatever it is. And Peter King does a great job all the time. I just can't remember the exact name of the, of the column. So I apologize. Sure. Um, but the name is Phil Snow. Phil Snow came to uh, Carolina with Matt Rule from Baylor. He predated Matt at Baylor. He was there with Art Bryles uh, mm, at Baylor. Right. Phil Snow has been a guy that's been in college for a long time. And what he has them doing with that defense is absolutely fun to watch. I mean, they play sort of a, a weird, sometimes a 3-3-5 lineup. Yeah, which is uh, a very college, a very, very college yeah, defense. Very yeah. collegiate defense. And right now it's working. I mean, they turned Jameis Winston into 2019 Jameis Winston. In that game. I, saw, you know, that, I saw your tweet on that. That was excellent, by the <laughs> way. But I mean, like, you know, that was the thing that Jameis didn't do in week one. And as soon right. as he got pressure in his face, he just heaved it up down the middle. And of course it was going to be intercepted. Right. But – so it's not just Phil Snow. Uh, it's also what they're doing with one player specifically, and that's Jeremy Chin, uh, the safety they took out of uh, SIU Carbondale a couple of years ago. Yeah. Now, to call Jeremy Chin a safety is like calling Arthur Ashe just a tennis player. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Mark Schler told me this, and it's some great insight. And this is the stuff you can get when you when you talk to people who talk to the coaches. He did a Carolina game last year. And they said, you know what we do with Jeremy Chin? After we have our team meeting, everybody breaks into their position groups. You know, offensive line here, wide receivers there, quarterbacks go here, D-line goes here, linebackers here. Jeremy Chin doesn't go to a position meeting. Jeremy Chin goes upstairs and has a coaching session with five different coaches for the five different spots they'll really? play him on the field. Wow. Uh, whether it's whether they're going to line him up as a rush end, put him at linebacker, put him at safety. So he doesn't go to a position meeting. Uh, the best way to describe Jeremy Chin right now is he's the Derwin James you don't know about, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very versatile player for the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, that's that's what we're seeing with Jeremy Chin. And, and listen, players have to execute, but I love what the coaching staff under Matt Rule is doing with those players to put them in unique positions to win. And the one thing Matt Rule has always done is he's built something, whether it was at Temple whether it was at Baylor after the disaster there. And now look what he's done out of the gate, 2-0, and taking down the team that was arguably the most impressive in week one. And I understand that oh. the Sean Payton's led uh, Saints had massive COVID issues on the coaching staff. I think they had eight coaches missing. 
that's obviously problematic, but you still have to give credit to what Matt Rule and company were able to do to them. Very, very impressive out of the gate. Absolutely. Um, and let's, you know what, very impressive out of the gate. Let's talk about a team that has been less than impressive to these first two weeks. And they are in real danger, Trey, of starting 0-3 for the first time since 2011 before the Andrew Luck era. And that is the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Trey, I, you know, I watch these games heavily, uh, the Colts games in particular. Um, yeah, Carson Wentz is not why they're 0-2. Um, but Carson Wentz might not, you know, might not make it through the season. Tell me what well, you're he, seeing from this Colts team. He might be why they're 0-3. Uh, by yeah. not being able to play. That's but, right. Hey, here, here's the deal. Oh, by the way, hard knocks coming to town in season for the Colts. Yes. Just exactly what Frank That's Reich right. company wants. Just perfect. Exactly. There, there's a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, you're right. Carson Wentz is not the reason they're 0-2. But Carson Wentz is also not available again. And, and yeah. that's the big – It's whether it's fair or unfair is an irrelevant discussion. It is. This was one of the things that we talked about a lot with him in Philadelphia – and it's resurfaced now in in uh, Indianapolis. I mean, he rolled that ankle, and you know, I, I could see him sort of stewing on the sidelines before they yeah. got the ball back. And I was like, "Is he?" And that, you know, I'm watching a million different games. I'm like, "Ah, he'll probably be fine." And then when they had to have it, Jacob Eason had to come into the game, and of course, he's going to throw an interception to Jalen Ramsey that essentially sealed the game. The Colts are in trouble uh, now. Here's the thing: the AFC South is not a great division. Tennessee is one and one. Uh, you know, Texans are one and one. The Jaguars are 0 and 2. Let, let's let's just remove the Jaguars and the Texans based on logic logic things that we think are going to happen, okay? Like so it's really between the Colts and the Titans and there's only one game that separates them now. Tennessee found its running game again last week with Derrick Henry and I love the fact that when they were down in Seattle they didn't get away from it like yep. so many other teams do they stayed patient and true to who they are. Yep. I think that's one of the big reasons why they were able to win that game in overtime. Great point. But the Colts the Colts don't know who they are right now. And I think that's the biggest concern. Uh and if Carson's going to miss some time, you know, they don't really have a backup that you feel really good about right now. Um the backup quarterback is the position you never think about until you need it. So you need and, it, yeah. And, and now they may need Jacob Eason to carry him for a few games, and that may decide whether or not the Colts find their way to win a division that they probably could, or they find a way to make sure that the Tennessee Titans win that division because it's really a two-team race. Yeah, and look, on the plus side, Jacob Eason played a lot in the preseason because, to your point, Carson Wentz wasn't available during Correct. the preseason. So they at least got to see him in the preseason. Um, the defense has been very underwhelming. Uh, for me, the secondaries had a lot of breakdowns. The defensive line is getting no pass rush. And that was the thing that carried them last year and the year before when Andrew Luck retired and they went through all these things. So if the defense isn't going to be there and the offense can't protect Carson Wentz, could be a lot of trouble. And I think we're going to see it all play out starting November 17th on Hard Knocks. Um, but let's, I mean, it's just, yeah. the timing could not be worse. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to another team that quickly rebounded from, I think for me anyway, was a surprising week one loss. And they dominated the team that is trying to make a run for this division. That is the AFC East. And that is the Buffalo Bills. They went in to Miami and won that game 35-0. They knocked Tua Tonga-Vailoa out of the game. Jacoby Brissett came in, was ineffective. That offensive line, Trey, is an absolute 
disaster. It might it might be worse than the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line or any other one you can think of uh, in the league right now. What did you see from the Buffalo Bills that has you thinking they might be back on track to keep their throne as the top of the AFC East? Well, listen, we talked about this after their week one loss to Pittsburgh. I mean, they more te- more games are lost than one. We talk about that all the time. They made all the mistakes to lose. They had six holding penalties. Uh, against a good defense in Pittsburgh. Like, the defense is not the problem for Pittsburgh. It's clearly the offense. For sure, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, they had a block punt return for a touchdown. If you play sloppy and give up a special teams touchdown, odds are you're going to lose that game more often than not. This has never been a good matchup for Miami. That was the sixth straight game where <sighs> the Buffalo Bills had beaten Miami, and it wasn't only a sixth straight game they'd beaten them. It's a sixth straight time they put up 30 I was going to say, points. beat them badly. Yeah. Yeah. And and let us let me just say this, and I get it. Jacoby Brissett came in for an injury to a Tonga Bailoa. You know how hard it is to get a shutout in the NFL these days? Yeah. Like, it's impossible. Like, I, part of me wants to say, you get a shutout, you get a half win. So all these over-unders, you know, 10 and a half. Yeah, you can get a half now, okay? You get a shutout in the way the NFL is played today, boom. That's a .5 in the win column for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, it would now, my good friends at Caesars would hate that. But, yeah. you know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's. I'm just saying it's so incredibly hard to do that. Uh, and even though, look, it's Miami, it's hot, you know, you're coming down there late, you've got the game in hand, you got a backup. It would have been very easy to oh, find walking in the score. They wanted that shutout. They wanted yeah. to get it done. And I think that's the thing that impressed me the most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit, though. Let's move on to some players who I think you found impressive from week two. And one of them, um, Isaiah Simmons. He's an interesting player for me, Trey, because he was so highly touted yeah. in uh, coming out of college, and he kind of just was not used. I don't even want to say he played poorly. He just wasn't used in his rookie year. But are we seeing a breakout from this guy? Well, we might be. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the box score here real quickly. Um, he, he's, a, he's a guy very much like some of the guys we've already mentioned, very versatile in Jeremy Chin and Derwin James. I mean, like he played all over the field. Uh, for Clemson, and they're finally using him in that way in Arizona. By the way, before we go any further, how wildly entertaining was that Arizona-Minnesota game, right? Oh, like, it was that incredible. Was, uh, before we got to, uh, which we'll get to in a minute with the Monday night game, um, what we saw out of that game was absolutely just spitfire nuts. Uh, but Isaiah Simmons is a guy, okay, you have Chandler Jones, you have great uh, defensive backs out there in Buda Baker and some of the other players back there. Isaiah Simmons is a guy you can move all over the place. And yes, JJ yeah. Watt is there. I'm just talking about, you know, people that are actually in their prime right now. For sure. Uh, and and uh, it, he's, he's a guy that's very, very versatile. You can do a lot of different things with him. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing that sort of play out. He'll look, they're going to bust some plays. That's the way it is. And they had, they had a few of those against, against the Vikings, but Isaiah Simmons gives them a luxury on defense that he's a plug and play guy in a bunch of different spots. If you need him to line up, kind of like Michael Parsons did for the Dallas Cowboys, by the way, who was really, really good yeah. uh, this week uh, when they absolutely had him to needed him to play um, play uh, uh, defensive end because of all the injuries. But Isaiah Simmons is a guy who's just going to be really, really active, going to be all over the ball. Uh, you know, he had six solo tackles uh, uh, last uh, uh, last game. Uh, six solo tackles is is a solid, solid number. And I think you're going to see more and more of those kind of games from Isaiah Simmons out of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And you look, you mentioned Micah Parsons. Um, but before we get to him, 
because you also mentioned Caesars before, and I'd be remiss if I didn't yeah. remind people about Caesars, because if you are a new Caesars Sportsbook user on their app, you want to sign up for a new account, you can get an NFL jersey of your choice plus a 5000 not 500 not 50 a $5,000 risk-free first bet from Caesar Sportsbook when you sign up for a new account. If you have not done this, don't miss out. Caesars is one of the best sportsbook apps out there, uh, as Trey can tell you, I'm sure. Um, you need to sign up, get a new account. Their app is fantastic. Um, they got the best odds. They have the best games out there, best contests. You can get a free NFL jersey of your choice. Authentic, by the way, not a replica, yep. a, an authentic NFL jersey of your choice, plus a $5,000 risk-free first bet from Caesar Sportsbook when you sign up for a new account. They're going to give you $5,000, and there's no risk attached. Go do it. Have some fun. Caesar Sportsbook app. Now, Micah Parsons. We have two more players that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Micah Parsons because to me, Trey, he was like the defensive player of the week when you take all of the context into account. And last week on our show, More Than more than Football, which comes out on Fridays, um, we talked about this possibility with, uh, with Lawrence being out. Was Micah yep. Parsons going to be asked to step up and go to what might be his more natural role as defensive end? And boy, did he. What did you see out of Micah Parsons on Sunday? I think what you just said there was the most important thing. And you look at the box score. He had two solo tackles, uh, one sack, and a tackle for a loss. And that's good. But, like, the best player in the Colts-Rams uh, game was Aaron Donald, and he was negligible in the stats. Like, he, he destroyed whether it's it was – about whether, impact, not stats. Whether, yeah, whether, whether it was going up against Quentin Nelson, who I understand the back is still a problem for him – or when he went to the right side, like Aaron Donald did whatever he wanted in that game. Other That's people right. got sacks because of Aaron Donald. Other Correct. people got tackles for losses because of Aaron Donald. That yeah. was the same sort of impact that Micah Parsons had. And I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. I'm saying he just had an Aaron Donald type game. You're right. The The most important thing you, you use was the word natural. He looked like a natural at yeah. that position. And I envision him uh, probably going to be growing more and more into that role, even when some of these other people may come back. He's just too impactful of a player to not give an opportunity. I think he had four quarterback hits uh, in, in the game against the Chargers. Like, he was really, really impressive. And, and that game, and we'll move on real quickly because I know we don't have a ton of time here. Um, that game was who was going to find a way to lose it first between the Chargers yeah, and the Cowboys. Two teams, two teams that have sort of perfected that <laughs> art over the last couple of seasons. And in the end, even though the Cowboys you know, botched a fourth and five when they went for it and had a roughing the passer, roughing the kicker on a fourth and 20, which is a 15-yard penalty, but it's an automatic first down, just ridiculous. Yep. Um, you know, the Chargers were very undisciplined, made a lot of mistakes, and they found a way to charger in that game. And the, cap- the Cowboys were able to capitalize on it. Redemption from Greg Zerline. Yeah, absolutely. So so we just talked about who for me was, I feel like, the best defensive player of week two. But I think the best player of week two, Trey, might have been and probably had the most meaningful win for him and maybe for that franchise. Um, and I know it's crazy to say that in week two, but that's the way it is. And for me, that's Lamar Jackson um, and what he yeah. did for the Baltimore Ravens over the Kansas City Chiefs. You have him as your player of the week. Tell us why. Did you see the reaction with him and Sammy Watkins, the former chief, after they ran out the clock to win? That wasn't a, hey, we yeah. got a week two win. Let's go. That was a Sammy Watkins. F you, my former team who didn't want to keep me. And it was also Lamar Jackson saying, I finally beat those MFers. You know, I mean, yeah. listen, here, here, here's the thing I need to explain. 
people are going to say, well, this is how you beat the Chiefs. No, there's no formula to beat the Chiefs. You just have to score a lot of points and control the ball. The Ravens were able to do both of those things. And even though they did both of those things, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble, we're having a completely different discussion. A hundred percent. Great point. That's a Harrison Butker chip shot. Field goal, they win the game as time expires 95% of the time in that situation. Look, the Ravens deserve to win. They did all the right things. I'm I'm just being clear. Don't tell me that's a blueprint to beat the Chiefs because it's not. Um, What that game was is we have a Darius Butler, who's a former corner for the Colts and does a great job on Twitter, put out a great line about this. He says, We have a rivalry now between these two because it's when, when, you know, when the Yankees were always beating the Red Sox, it wasn't a rivalry, it was a hammer and a nail. And then yep. the Red Sox went on to win, beat them a couple of times in the playoffs and won a couple of World Series. Then it became an actual rivalry. That's it. Uh, if one team's then, winning, it's not a rivalry. It's a it's yeah, a domination. Yeah, it's a thing we have to go through again. Um, <laughs> right. And, and listen, that thing was the one thing holding Lamar back. Now, I still don't know, you know, long term, whether the way they run that offense with him is going to work in the postseason. We saw him finally win a postseason game, the team, rather. You know, I don't believe wins are a quarterback stat. You and we me finally both, saw brother. They finally saw a team win a postseason game against Tennessee, and then they fell apart and didn't do really well the next week against Buffalo. Um, So I don't know about the long-term effects of it going forward, but that was a win the Ravens and Lamar Jackson needed to have for themselves. And I got to give them a lot of credit. They couldn't have been more banged up. Everything was against them in that game besides home field advantage. It was the first loss in September of Patrick Mahomes' career, his first interception. So they had a lot of stuff going against them. And they stayed in it. They were down 11. They still found a way to get back in that game. Um, That was as good of a win as you're going to see in week two for a team considering who they were playing. And I want to, before we wrap this thing up, I want to go one other thing. Everyone, including me, went nuts over the the John Harbaugh. Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for this? Let's go for it. It's just great. It's awesome. It shows trust. All those things are true. It's also theater. Name me one player in the (laughs) NFL who when their coach on fourth and one to run out the clock to win the game screams, you want to go for it? Who would say, <laughs> no, nah, let's punt, coach. I don't right. feel – I think I'm going to suck on this play, so we should absolutely punt. So take it for what it is. It was trust. It was, hey, go win the game, all that kind of stuff. I love that. But he's asking a question he knows the answer. Yeah, that decision's been made before that question was asked. Right, but he didn't even have to ask it. You know, right. So there was a little bit of – you know, I mean, I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong. It was cool. <laughs> Great clip. But he's not asking the question if he doesn't already know the answer. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, Trey, that is going to wrap it up for us here from our more from last week uh, show that we're going to be doing every single week early here. Catch me and Trey Wingo, as always, here on Pro Football Network. For Just for clarity's sake, our week two team of the week was the Las Vegas Raiders and what they're doing with Derek Carr. And because of the emotional and needed win over the Kansas City Chiefs, Lamar Jackson gets our week two player of the week. For Trey Wingo, I'm Brett Yaris. This is More Than Football on Pro Football Network.